There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Spark London. We tell true stories. We tell them live. And we tell them all across London. To attend one of our live shows, head to sparklondon.com. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming. Who's been to, uh, just put a show of hands, please, if you've been to Spark before. Okay, quite a few newbies. Good. So just for those who haven't, just to to give you an idea, we're a true storytelling club that happens all around London. We have a night in Hackney and a night in Brixton, which are open mics. And then we, we have a curated night, a hand-picked night, which happens tonight. Um, it's my favourite night out, basically. It's where I've met some of my bestest, weirdest, most interesting, most inspiring friends. It's where I've discovered that things don't have to be embarrassing uh, memories that I have to keep locked in, but can be moments that are shared in rooms like this. And people can laugh at them and say that I've done that too. So if you enjoy tonight, come to one of our Hackney and Brixton open mics and maybe you'll be inspired to tell a story too. Are you ready for your first storyteller of the evening? Yes, very good, very good. I'm very, very excited to introduce to you Sudeshna Chowdhury, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. It was 1981 and I was 14 years old. I lived in Uganda with my family at a time of a terrible regime that we'd just survived for Idi Amin. I'm sure you must have heard of that name. And after that, we had government after government that was just totally unstable. A time of violence. My parents were both teachers, very dedicated to their work. My mum was an English teacher for 16 years. My dad was an art teacher for 26 years. And in fact, they said he taught so many students that they came from all walks of life. Ministers, doctors, clerks, you name it. They were all around the country. One fine morning, my mother came to me and my little sister and said, guess what, girls? Daddy's agreed for us to go on holiday in the next two weeks. Isn't that great? 
I was so overjoyed. I just picked up my baby brother. He was just like a little toddler. And I just swung him around the room and I just danced with him around the room. I was so excited. We're going on holiday. We're going on holiday, I shouted. I couldn't wait. We all packed our stuff and we got into the car. And as we sped along, my little sister and I just kept singing songs loudly in enjoyment and just being so happy. And as one happens, you know, a long journey, we fell asleep. At some point, my mum was nudging me. Just get up, quickly, get up, get up. Thinking, looking, what's going on? So I open my eyes and I see in the distance, this is quite near to the capital city, a roadblock. And there, there was about six soldiers telling us, stop, stop, stop the car. So we stopped the car and one of the soldiers came out and came to the window of the car and looked at my dad and said, all of you get out, just get out. We were so scared. We all got out, didn't question. He said to my dad, get those suitcases out, open them, open them, open them. So my dad opened them. And then we had about four soldiers coming and grabbing our clothes, grabbing my father's photography. He had all these slides, you know, valuable things. Our passports, our documents, everything was being taken in front of our eyes. But that was not all. At one point, one of the soldiers took a look at my baby brother. He was a little toddler, and he just flung him into the bush. And then the other soldier pushed my mother, myself and my little sister, to them one side and then he started laughing saying oh why don't you come and stay with me and be my wife and I just looked at my mother and I was holding on to her sorry I was so scared and I could see my mother had turned pale her eyes were wide with fear and all you could see from her mouth was moving moving mouth saying something I could tell she was praying silently but she didn't say a word she was so scared and then my father saw this, and he did a brilliant thing. He said to that soldier, Pole, pole, which means slowly, slowly in Swahili. And somehow that seemed to have an effect on the soldier, and he let go. But the other soldiers just kept on grabbing all our stuff. And in the end, they just said, oh, just let's just go. Let's just run. Let's just, give, let's just leave them. Let's just take the stuff and go. So they all ran away. At which point my mother quickly grabbed the baby that was still crying and realized there was one thing they had left behind, thank God, was the baby's milk. So she gave the baby the milk and my brother quietened him down. And we all got back in the car. We just didn't know what to do. But my dad, he was crazy. He went out onto the road. He was mad. He started shouting, gesticulating wildly, saying, this is not good. Dad, Dad, just get back in. Someone's going to kill you. Just get back in. But did he listen? No, he was too crazy. And then, as if that wasn't enough, out of the bushes came another group of soldiers. And this time, when they saw my father doing all this stuff, one of them went with a gun and just cocked it up against his neck. And he was about to shoot. 
But one of them, which who seemed to be like a leader, I saw he was a tall man, he came forward and he said, stop! And then he went, oh my God, Mualimu Chowdhury, this is my teacher. And suddenly we all realized that this was my dad's ex-student. He was the commander of the army. What are you doing here, sir? He says. So my dad quickly explained to him what had happened. He said, sir, this is so unlucky. Today was the day when they attempted to assassinate the president of Uganda. And you will not be safe all the way to the capital city and the airport. It is just one roadblock after another. They will kill you. But I am going to give you an escort. And you will be safe. And I must take you to the police station. But before we do that, let me see if I can get your things back. So he called the other soldiers and they went back and they tried to find the soldiers, but they were gone. So the only thing they managed to get was a couple of bags and one of them contained all our documents, our passports. Oh, my father and my mother, sigh of relief. At least we can fly. And when we got to the police station, such was the fear that they actually surrounded our car and wanted to arrest us. And when they saw it was just a family, oh, Sorry, apologize. But you can't stay here. You're going to have to go to a friend's house. Even our friend was scared to let us in, but they did eventually. And the next day, they took us to the airport. It was only when the plane took off and I could see it was the Ethiopian Airlines and the air stewardess was serving coffee and drinks in that civilized way as one does in a plane that I finally felt... Uh, I could feel safe. But you know, the troubles were not over because all the money had been stolen. There was nothing. The problem was when we got to Mumbai, we had to buy tickets for a three-day journey across to Calcutta where our hometown was, where our relatives lived. What could we do? So when we got there, my father was now, I don't know what to do. Standing there at arrivals was a man with a sign saying, Mr. Chowdhury. Said, that's strange and the man approached him and said you are Mr. Chowdhury aren't you he said yes I am here to look after you I am not to tell you who I am and who sent me please do not ask but I have booked you in to a five star hotel for two days while I go and get tickets for your train journey we didn't know who this man was neither did my parents he took us to this hotel. He even gave us some money. He said, take this money because I know you need to buy essentials. And my parents were so grateful. They didn't even have toothbrushes, no slippers, nothing. So we stayed for two days. And at the end of two days, he escorted us to the train station. He put us on the train. And the last time I saw that man, that kind stranger, was him waving. We could see him through the train windows. And I never saw him again. And we got safely to Calcutta. I will never forget that day. For I am standing here speaking to you only because I was saved through my father being such a resourceful man and having all those ex-students that could save our lives and the kindness of strangers who could have been an angel for all I know. Thank you. Um, next storyteller, 
I just heard a story actually 20 minutes ago in the we did a little run through a little um rehearsal and it was that good I'm still really really excited to hear it again um please give a warm sparkling welcome to Alex Fox ladies and gentlemen I've always had a really keen sense of smell but in addition to that I'm blessed with a neurological quirk called synesthesia. Synesthesia is quite hard to explain, but basically what happens is when a person experiences an outward stimulus, they simultaneously experience an ostensibly totally unrelated but really quite vivid and sometimes overwhelming sensory response. It's easier to illustrate than it is to explain. So, for example, some synesthetes, uh, if they hear a particular note, they'll visualise a colour spontaneously, completely subconsciously. So, if they hear a certain piece of music, they will see neon yellow. For other people, when they say certain words, they taste them in their mouths. They can be gritty or greasy. I've got a friend who I've met through my research into this who actually told me that when she says my name, she tastes raspberry sorbet, which is quite pleasant, really. (laughs) Now, my synesthesia connects to my sense of smell. When I feel particular emotions, I will experience a scent that I absolutely know is not there and that nobody else in the room can smell. So if I meet someone I really like, I get the odour, it's kind of a citrusy scent, uh, something like lemon bonbons and washing up liquid mixed together. Or if I'm having a really nice time, a really good conversation, say, I'll be able to smell fresh, warm Danish pastries. And the breeze will even feel hot in my nasal passages, as though someone's just opened an oven full of sugary baked goods. It's really, really pleasant. Less pleasant is the odd olfactory association I have with location. If I need to meet somebody at King's Cross, I can't help but smell creosote on telegraph poles on a sunny day mixed with warm tar. Swiss cottage, damp towels. (laughs) Perhaps most intriguing of all, though, is how my synesthesia relates to my sex life. Now, the first time I experienced this, it was a bit of a shock, but I found that the more interesting, wonderful things that were going on below the waistline, from the neck up, I felt like I'd been shoved nose first into a bag of Haribo Kiddies Supermix, somewhat inappropriately. (laughs) And not only can I smell that kind of sucrosey, coconutty, dolly mixture smell, but I can smell the bag as well. It's a really specific sensation, but it is lovely and it's something I look forward to. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, it doesn't work the other way around. If I sniff sweeties, I don't spontaneously orgasm. Otherwise, I alone could have put Woolworths and their pick-and-mix counters completely out of business. (laughs) I'm not responsible for that particular point of the economic downturn. (laughs) Now, I work as a journalist and my experiences of smells and sex prompted me to investigate other people's experiences of smells and sex. I didn't find anyone else who smells phantom scents when they're having a good time, but I did find a lot of people with really, really strange smell-related fetishes. I interviewed a guy called Alan, who's really, really into halitosis. He really got off on bad breath. For him, bad breath equaled a good time. 
And there was a visual element in there for him. If a, if a woman had like, really hard, sunshine yellow blocks of tartar, like butter in her mouth, that was his ultimate thrill. And he also met another guy who was into bad breath, but he would pay women to consume old-fashioned throat sweets and then cough in his face. <laughs> From that, I learned that there's actually a big contingent of women making a not insubstantial amount of money... <laughs> from catering for people who like to inhale very particular smells while they're getting their rocks off. One of these women is quite fantastically named, although I don't think this is on her birth certificate, the Queen of Farts. She makes a lot of cash by sitting and passing wind forcibly onto inflated beach balls and through tight pairs of denim jeans... And she also receives uh, several letters a month from a man whose hobby is to steal sofa cushions after attractive women have been sat on them so that he can take them home, strap them to his face and inhale whatever leftover anal scent may be on said soft furnishings. That's why there's always a sale at DFS. (laughs) Uh, I also spoke to a French woman called Petus. She calls herself a fart dominatrix. She has a client who specifically requests that she pass wind onto tiny china figures of men. And he said he likes the idea of her being this big Amazonian dominant goddess humiliating these tiny porcelain figures. So it's a bit of a submissive thing for him. From one end of the body to quite the opposite... I also met people who, this was, this, was the real, this was a real crunch thing for me. This was the thing I found really hard to stomach. People who get seriously turned on by the smell of vomit, other people's vomit. Uh, there was one woman, actually a trans woman, who told me that she likes to get her partners to consume vast amounts of greasy food. It has to be fried chicken, chips burgers, the kind of scram that comes from a van, and then regurgitate it on purpose. And she likes to smell it. She likes them to do this in a bag so that she can inhale it while getting thrills. And I tried to get her to explain where she thought this fascination, where this connection of that very particular whiff and that sexual satisfaction had come from. And I thought her explanation was really interesting because she said, well... I like the idea that what I'm smelling is the sustenance, is the food that has kept my partner alive. I find that quite an intimate experience to be shared between two people. And I also like the idea that what I'm smelling is the very centre of their body. It's a substance, it's a liquid that's been as deep inside them as it's possible to get, which in a weird way is sickeningly poetic. (laughs) So from one kind of sickness, taking it back to me, perhaps kind of cheesily, I'm experiencing a bit of lovesickness at the moment. Something new has happened in my life and I've moved in with a partner for the very first time. And that involves loads of fresh stuff that has never happened to me before, like um, coming home to find him with his cock inside a snow boot to make me laugh and feeling inspired to write really atrociously wanky poetry about his toenail clippings and how they remind me of crescent moons, which I have not shared with him yet don't plan to anytime soon but I've also discovered that when he looks a particular way specifically if he comes out the shower and he's drying his hair if his body makes a particular angle 
I feel exactly as though I'm in a greenhouse and I can smell tomatoes growing on the vine, green tomatoes, that chlorophyll photosynthesis, very zesty smell of something growing. And it's my favourite, one of my favourite smells in the whole world. So I'm taking that to mean that my nose knows something that I hope I do too, and that maybe these are my salad days and my senses are telling me that this one might be a keeper. Alex Fox, ladies and gentlemen. I just tried to sort of smell her then as I hugged her. And it is, it's this lovely sorbet smell, beautiful. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Um, for those that don't enjoy uh, the sound or the smell of farts, um, especially when they're in an intimate situation with somebody else, do you guys know about the, um, the trick to stop the smell of farts? got so many times some of you do Uh, my brother taught me this and um, people are getting uncomfortable I'm enjoying this Um, you basically just separate the cheeks and then the the fart comes out like this and it's amazing and I know some of you are sort of judging me for being so gross but you will use this at some point in your sexual lives you will thank me eventually I ended up giving this tip away right I used to work at the Daily Mail don't judge me I've left it's cool. Um, I was with a, a team at the Daily Mail. I was on the grad scheme at the Daily Mail. And they all, we all went out for drinks one night. And for some reason, I decided to give away this lovely tip, this lovely gem to my boss and everyone that worked on my team. I was like, listen, guys, you know, if you're in bed with someone and you want to fuck, you just separate the bunch with your fingers like that. And it just comes out. It's silent. It's beautiful. <laughs> and then it came to the point where I decided to leave the Daily Mail because I was having a horrible time. And it came to my leaving speech. 
And up my boss stood in front of everyone, the editor, everyone in this office gathered round my desk to hear this. And they didn't really say anything about my performance or anything about the work I'd done during my time there. They simply said, yes, Charlie taught us how to make a silent fart happen during an intimate moment with somebody. And that is the legacy that I've left at the Daily Mail and one for which I'm quite proud. (laughs) So I'm very excited about our fight. It's come to the final storyteller of the evening. I know that's sad, but what's good is he's really brilliant. (laughs) Yay! There you go, this is good. Um, His name is Richard Tyrone Jones. He's a poet, an educator, an inspiration... And I might even go as far to say that he's my favourite ginger man with heart failure that I've ever met. (laughs) Please give all your energy that you've got left for our last storyteller of the evening, Richard Tyrone Jones. Thank you very much, everybody. Uh, My name's Richard Tyrone Jones. I'm from Wolverhampton. And the stories that I'm going to tell you, two interconnected stories, are the two times that I really needed a poo, but there wasn't a toilet. (laughs) Uh, I know, I can't believe that I'm headlining either. Crazy world, isn't it? Uh, Okay, Uh, okay, the first time that I really needed a poo, but there wasn't a toilet, uh, I was with my girlfriend uh, in my early 20s, and we decided to go uh, travelling, and uh, we wanted to go to Venice, but of course hotels in Venice, romantic hotels, are about 200, 300 euros uh, a night at least, so we couldn't afford that, but we hit upon the idea, okay, if we stay in nearby Treviso, then we can commute into Venice via the train, it only takes about half an hour and it'll be a lot cheaper. Uh, We couldn't afford Venice because uh, in in those days uh, I was working... uh, endless boring admin temp jobs uh, in London and she was working as a curator at the Women's Library. Uh, rest in peace, first wave feminism. Uh, so there we go. Feminism, ladies, does not pay, but then neither does the patriarchy anyway in your case. Sorry about that. Right, uh, so we couldn't afford Venice. We ended up in Treviso. We hadn't booked anywhere and uh, we had to go to the local... Uh, tourist information because we didn't speak uh, any Italian either and uh, so what's the cheapest way that we could stay in Treviso here and they uh, hooked us up uh, with uh, a, a little old lady uh, basically if you're like a widow in Treviso and you've got a, a spare room uh, then uh, you can rent it out to tourists and it only cost about 30 euros so that was fantastic uh, we went there said hello to her she didn't speak any English at all either uh, we decided to go out and visit Treviso which although it's uh, very, quite, quite an old town um, and has a lovely city walls around it. It's actually built on a grid system, so it's not that interesting. So we decided to get completely wrecked on red wine. Uh, and then I headed back uh, to the little old lady's place, uh, and she'd already gone to bed. And then we, well, we, we were loaded, and uh, we ended up having that kind of, you know, shh, my parents are in the next room kind of sex, you know. Uh, the one where you, you can't put your hands over each other's mouths in turn so you don't make too much of a noise. Uh, and then I found myself in a huge Kafkaesque block of office flats that was abandoned desperately running around from room to room floor to floor trying to find the toilet only to find that every toilet that I could find had been blocked up by my sister 
not blocked up in, in the usual way, you know, by stipping a load of uh, uh, concrete down it to stop squatters from using the facilities, uh, but uh, it had actually been boarded up with a load of old boards and nails like, uh, I don't know, by Lee Coyote uh, in an episode of uh, Roadrunner. Um, and, and I was getting increasingly frustrated by this and increasingly angry at what my... Uh, angie? Angie. At, uh, <laughs> I was getting increasingly angry at what my sister had done. She'd hidden all the R's as well, so that's why I was really angry. And uh, I, I then woke up... Actually screaming out loud at the top of my voice in terror... Uh, inside the spare room of this little old lady in Treviso. Uh, woke up my girlfriend, thought, oh my goodness, she must have heard that. She's going to think I am a psycho. <laughs> and the ironic thing was that when I kind of checked myself to make sure that I hadn't wrecked myself, uh, not only had I not done a spud, thankfully, uh, but uh, I, I also didn't need the toilet at all. So it was the sheer psychological terror of not being able to find a toilet that had caused me to sit bolt upright and shout out loud. But anyway, we needed to explain to this little old lady that I wasn't a psychopath. Uh, and because my Italian wasn't good enough to just explain what I've just explained to you in far too much detail, uh, I, I, I drew a picture. Uh, I drew a picture of, of myself and got a red pen to kind of colour in my hair red so that she would know it was me. And a picture of me kind of standing up in like, with, with a, a, like musical notes coming out of my mouth, uh, but jagged musical notes, and, uh, and, a, and, a, and a thinks bubble coming out of my head. And inside that thinks bubble, uh, a ghost, a picture of a scary ghost. So we thought, right, we'll show this to her over breakfast, and then she'll know we're not mental, and she'll let us stay another night tonight. Uh, so we just showed it to her and tried to explain it in, in sign language and uh, broken Italian and English, and um, she had absolutely no idea what we were talking about and hadn't heard it at all. Uh, the second time uh, that I really needed a poo and there wasn't a toilet, uh, I'd been... Sp- Beating my tits off half of the afternoon. It was uh, a friend of mine's stag do, uh, a friend who uh, hosts lots of popular music, comedy uh, and poetry open mic nights around uh, London. It wasn't, it wasn't Charlie, because uh, although she is quite a tomboy, she still wouldn't, not enough to have a stag night. You understand? Although you can have a stag night if you want. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to oppress you, sisters. There we are. Do whatever you like. Basically, we, we started off the day uh, with uh, some uh, skeet shooting or uh, clay pigeon shooting, if you, you can use proper English English. And, uh, and then uh, started drinking about midday. In the afternoon, we'd gone to Bloomsbury Bowling Lanes, uh, where I, I basically we kept popping off to the loos for a little bit of a, a bit of a snifter. And this is the first time that I'd ever done speed, and it turned out that it's fucking brilliant. So that's if you take any moral from this story, there's a, speed is fucking great. It's like coke, uh, but you don't actually realise that you're being a wanker. So, um, uh, so yes, and, and I was kind of stealing um, li- little hot dogs and volivants uh, off uh, the, the girl at the aisles uh, ne- bowling alley next to them, uh, and, uh, and 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 just generally being a wanker. I'd just read Neil Strauss's The Game, which probably explains it and um, uh, we then got ejected from there uh, went round uh, loads of pubs until we got to closing time and in that time uh, all of the uh, kind of meat products that I'd been stealing off the girls and, and uh, all, all afternoon uh, slowly made their presence felt uh, until I, I was desperately caught short and really needed a poo basically you could you knew where it was going didn't you uh, and the only place for me to have a poo, because everything was shut and we'd been chucked out of everywhere, uh, was in the churchyard of St. Giles in the fields. 
uh, at the bottom of Denmark Street. And I was cast back uh, to my earlier memories uh, in Cambridge. There, there was a drunken man dressed, I, I remember, he was the first person that I'd ever seen, this was about 1999, to rock, be rocking triple denim in an unironic way. Uh, and uh, with a pair of big boots. And he's going, oh man, I really need a pool. Is there anywhere I can have a shit around here? Um, and we went, oh, just, oh, sh- shit on the churchyard. Shit on the church step. Me and my mate, shit on the church steps. So we went, oh, there's nowhere else. And he did. He pulled his denim down, uh, crimped one out, uh, and then uh, skipped off merrily into the night going, all right. There we are. He later became uh, the basis for my uh, fictional performance poet, a punk character, Richie Scurvy. So it was, it was obviously quite an impression that it made him. I thought, if, if he can do that in such an inspiring way, then so can I. Uh, and I but I, I crept behind a bush and did a poo. And just how in nature, whenever there's a big patch of nettles uh, and you sting yourself, there's a dock leaf. Uh, there were a series of, 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 of laurel leaves, uh, which, um, which are normally quite shiny and unsuitable uh, for, for use as, uh, as toilet paper. Uh, but in this case, uh, they, they weren't actually that shiny and they worked a treat. Uh, so uh, we all uh, got on the uh, 55 bus. And I'm sorry, there's too much um, specific detail in this chat. Uh, we got on uh, a bus uh, numbered between 50 and 60, back to Leighton. Uh, and uh, but, but on the halfway... Uh, there, uh, I thought, right, I, it's probably best if I don't continue this party, because uh, after all, I have just shat in a churchyard. It's probably time for me to go home. And uh, just like in the first story, when I woke up, I found that actually I didn't need a poo at all. <laughs> Although, unlike the first story, that was because I had shat in a churchyard. Uh, but uh, I, I was punished. I was punished for my behaviour because, uh, yes, two years later, I developed near-fatal heart failure. Uh, if there's any moral to this tale whatsoever, I think it is that speed is terrible. Don't ever do speed. It's completely damaging and deleterious to your health. So, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Good night. Richard Tyrone Jones. Also, thank you for Ash on the tech there, who did beautifully... Our producer, Matt. Yay! Come to one of our nights at Hackney or Brixton and follow us on Twitter, SparkLDN. Thank you very much. You've been a beautiful audience. See you downstairs. Woo! Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.